man, you know. Like a like a sex machine, man. Moving, doing it, you know. Can I count it off? One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up, get up. Hi, everybody. Hope you had a great 4th of July. I'm Terry Blunt here subbing in for Jason Puckett, who's on vacation this week. I'm here along with Jackson Feltz. We'll be here today and tomorrow. I'll also be in Saturday for my show, Blunt Sports Talk. But we just want to hope everyone got through July 4th without too big a hangover, without too much food, without any any accidents from fireworks. Without any dogs howling all night, and that you can, you're not haven't gone deaf, and uh, all that good stuff from July Fourth. We hope you had a great July Fourth. Uh, I certainly did. It was spent watching the Mariners. Unfortunately, they didn't win. Seven uh, four, they lost to the Angels. No big deal. Hey, it's a long season, folks. But we're going to talk a little bit during the show about how fans seem to fall back into their old mode. Whenever the Mariners fail, there's a lot of tweets yesterday I got during the game when, oh, same old Mariners, they can't get a hit with the bases loaded, same old Mariners, you know, bad defense, same old Mariners, had 15 Ks, a bunch of Ks with men on base. So, you know, there's a lot of that. But we want to ask you guys, with the changing expectations of the Mariners now, because they're still 23 games over 500 and certainly in great shape to make a playoff spot, maybe, maybe, even beat the Astros for the division title. What are the changing expectations? What are things that the Mariners used to do over and over again in years past that would make you say, oh, here we go, that now they're just not going to do anymore? And if they do it once, you might tend to overreact, as some people did yesterday, without question. So, you know, let's let's let you guys talk about it. Send us your thoughts on it on the Heritage Stealing text line at 49451. That's uh, one thing you can opt in on today. Another thing we want you to vote on today, our poll today that Jackson put together, I think is a really good one. A little bit more, uh, we're going to have fun with it. It's a serious topic, but we're going to have fun with it. And that is that NCAA football may go to a standardized injury reporting system this year, similar to what the NFL does. So in other words... You know, the NFL does it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Each day you have to say if a player is questionable, doubtful, did he practice, did he not practice, that kind of thing. They would go to some type of system where what we have now, it's totally at the coach's discretion, which means some coaches tell you nothing. Some coaches are relatively open about it, and there's a lot of in-between, and everyone wants to do their own thing. This is likely to change in the future. I don't know if it's going to change for this season, but it is likely to change where they go to a standardized system. So in that regard, we want you to vote on what coach you think is most likely to lie or maybe let's just say fudge things a little bit on the actual reporting of injuries going forward. You've got four choices on that that we put out on Twitter. One is Mike Leach of Wazoo. One is Nick Saban of Alabama. One is Jim Harbaugh of Michigan. And the other one is Chris Peterson of UW. Which of those coaches do you think is most likely to either lie or maybe just fudge a little bit on that standardized report? I bet I know how that's going to turn out, but I won't reveal it. Well, and to be completely honest here, Terry, the reason I could put Chris Peterson on there is just to see how low the percentage would be. Yeah. Uh, listen, we we know he's probably the fourth option there. Oh, <laughs> look, there's going to be some guys. Washington State fans that are going to vote for Chris Peterson. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I, I do I do just want to see the humor of, of just how low the percentage is compared to the other ones, and it's starting out pretty good, so we'll have the results on that later. And that'll be fun. And the, what we want you to do on 
on that too, you can text us on whether you think this is the right thing to do. Do you like it that they would have to go to a standardized injury report system? Why do you think it's happening? I think there's one very obvious reason it's happening, which they don't say, but I think it has a lot to do with the fact that gambling is going to be legal almost everywhere soon, and that is something that they don't want to talk about openly, but this is a way for them to tell people who watch college football, hey, if you are going to do this, we're at least going to help you out and let you know who's healthy and who isn't. So uh, that's an interesting thing going forward and what you think will happen on that. Send us any other thoughts you might have today on the Heritage Dilling text line at 49451. It's going to be a fun day. And, of course, we're going to have Cliff Averill with us today at 11, from 11 to 12. It's really cool that he's going to come in today to preview his new show with Jason Puckett that starts on Monday, Cliff and Puck. We've been waiting for this for so long, and it's just such an exciting thing to have Cliff Averill as part of KJR now. He's such a cool guy, and you're really going to enjoy the things he has to say on the radio, and I'm just thrilled that I get to preview it today for an hour on this show and have him come in and let everyone know what it's going to be like, let him talk about what he what he's looking forward to in the show. Uh, we're also, of course, going to talk some about the Seahawks, what he thinks. I don't guess, I don't, I know, as a matter of fact. There's not another person on the planet that can have the actual feeling of what Cam Chancellor just went through than Cliff Averill. Without question, they're two very similar situations for both those guys, why they had to end their careers. And uh, I think Cliff will have great insight on that as well. We'll talk to him, of course, about Earl Thomas. We'll talk to him about other Seahawks topics. And we're also going to talk to him about this cool thing he was involved in called the Gold Rush Rally. And basically, it's super expensive sports cars. We're talking Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsches, the whole bit that was a rally that started on the East Coast and went all the way to Las Vegas. And he was involved in that, and uh, I think it just ended uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah. But I asked him what it was like. I don't, I don't know all of the rules involved in it, how it actually works, but what a cool thing. Yeah, if someone asked me to drive their half-million-dollar Lamborghini <laughs> from New York to Las Vegas, okay, I, yeah, <laughs> I might be able to do that, sure. The problem is, could I get all the way across the country without actually getting a ticket? <laughs> I don't think so. So I wonder if that happens. I mean, if that's uh, if they got a police uh, escort and they get to kind of you know get through there without that happening, because they're in Ferraris, Bugattis, Lamborghinis, and, yeah. and you know yeah, everything on. else under the sun. And and how could you not open that up to a hundred, two hundred? At some point? you got it at some point, yeah. right? Especially if you're like going through <laughs> New Mexico in the middle of nowhere right. or something like that. So that'll be really fun to talk to him about. By the way, I have made an edict today that I am going to refuse to go into the bathroom at our studios here at KJR <laughs> what? because there is no doubt in my mind that Niner Nate is going to be spending a great deal of time in there today after downing 10 hot dogs during the morning show. Oh, That's God, right. why'd you do that? Niner Nate, in response to uh, yesterday's new world record of 74 hot dogs that were downed by Joey Jaws Chestnut. <laughs> that, by the way, is 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Jeez. Niner Nate down 10 hot dogs in three hours so and that was hard that was tough so he said you know he, he got he actually i think he got to 10 in about two hours i think he said the first six were easy no problem and then he got to 10 and after about two hours and then he was done i don't even think he tried to eat any more after that but still 
I'm planning to uh, avoid the bat. I'm just going to hold it, okay? That's it. I'm just going to hold it for three hours because I know he's going to be in there, and I don't want him to be anywhere near that after him down in 10 hot dogs. So that's that's all there is to it. Well, so. I'd like to know what his wife thinks about that and, and how happy she is <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure down she's thrilled. 10 hot dogs. Yes, his lovely newlywed. <laughs> I'm sure she's thrilled that he did that. So, uh, well, you know, at least he didn't do it at home, I guess. Yeah. Maybe he'll get it all out of his system, well, unless so Unless he speak. goes home and then she has to deal with the repercussions right. at home. <laughs> that's that's right. not the KJR bathroom yeah. you have to be worried about. That's, it could be. Maybe he's already left and we're okay, but I'm not taking any chances. Chances, okay i'm staying out of there so anyway good for him for being such a sport and actually downing downing 10 hot dogs in three hours compared to joy chestnuts oh. 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes wow so I, I i can't even imagine it so it's crazy hey we're also going to have gary hill on at twelve twenty, uh, part of the mariners broadcast team to talk about the mariners everything that's going on there they have a chance to win two out of three if they can beat the angels tonight and then colorado comes in for a three-game series to close out the homestand colorado isn't playing that well this season they're about a 500 team so it's a team certainly the mariners should be able to play well against uh they do have a player that i think is probably uh, the best third baseman in baseball, and, Nor- and Nolan Arenado. And he's just a phenomenal player, just fun to watch him. So it's been fun to watch Mike Trout the last couple of days because the Mariners have done everything in their power to not pitch to Mike Trout. They've walked him intentionally three times in two games, two times yesterday. And uh, you know what? I'd have done the same thing. I would have done the same thing. Upton was hitting behind him. And uh I you know, I just think there are times when you don't you don't risk it. The guy came into the came into the series hitting like six forty against the Mariners this season. So he's been unbelievable his entire career against them. And they're not the only team doing this, by the way. I think he's been intentionally walked seventeen times this season. So that's nothing new for him. No. It's not up to uh you know, Barry Bonds uh, numbers yet. But there's a lot more teams that just aren't letting him have a chance to beat you if people are on base. And I get that. But they have got him out uh, all but once when he uh, when he did when they didn't walk him. So you know he's uh, that's something we're going to see a lot more of uh, as the season goes forward. And uh, the Astros won last night, so they're a game and a half up. No big deal. Uh, there's still 13 games between those two teams. Anything can happen between the two of them. I know that the prevailing logic is that they can't catch the Astros because the Astros' starting pitching is just too strong. But you know what? You don't win the game on paper, folks. That's why they play the games. Uh, who would have thought Atlanta would be in first place now? Who would have thought yeah. Philadelphia Phillies would be uh, in playoff contention at this point? You just don't know. And the way the Mariners are playing and the way they've played all season, I know they believe they can beat the Astros, and it's going to be fun when they play them. they got 13 games coming up against them for the rest of the season, and those games are going to matter, folks. They're going to really be a big deal. So we want you to call in and tell us, or call in or text us and let us know why you think uh, the Mariners have new expectations now, some of the same old things that people say about the Mariners, but what has changed? What did they used to do wrong that people would always say, here we go again, but now, not so much. They're probably not going to do that very much anymore. A lot coming up today. It's going to be a really fun show. Stick with us on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Live in Seattle sports. And the greatest fans in the world. On Seattle's original diehard sports station. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to the Carter Volkswagen Studios. 
Okay, everybody, remember, keep voting on our poll. College football is on the verge of using NFL standard injury report procedures. So today's poll is which coach is most likely to lie or fudge on that report. Is it Jim Harbaugh of Michigan, Nick Saban of Alabama, Mike Leach of Washington State, or Chris Peterson of UW? It is a very close vote so far. Three guys are in contention for that uh, title, as it were. So keep voting on that. Should be fun to see how that turns out. So far, in a very close vote, by 1%, Nick Saban is ahead of Jim Harbaugh. But Mike Leach is a very close third. So keep your votes coming in on that. And also, let us know on the Heritage Stealing text line at 49451. What are your thoughts on expectations that are changing for the Mariners? What are things that the Mariners used to do that they probably won't do any longer or haven't done very often this year? And what are some things that people fall back on just by, you know, what they've done in the past, say, oh, yeah, there they go again, which really probably isn't true with a team that's 23 games over 500. So this is one of my favorite segments coming up here. We've got sports news of the day. Five really cool ones to talk about today. And we're going to start, of course, with the Mariners. The Angels halting the Mariners' eight-game winning streak. Here's some audio on Cole Calhoun's two-run homer. Out to deep right center field. That ball is launched. Two-run blast for Cole Calhoun. It is to 6-2 Angels. Fastball hard to the plate, 92. And that had to make him feel real good about that swing, especially where he hit that baseball. So let me talk a little bit here about Cole Calhoun. He was on the disabled list. He went on the disabled list at an early June, hitting 149 for the season. So he came back uh, a few days ago, and he came into that game yesterday hitting 171. And then he just goes wild. They put him in the leadoff spot. It was only the fourth time this year he's hit from the leadoff spot. He has three RBIs, three hits, a two-run homer, and really was the difference in the game for them. Oh, come on. So of all people, right? So, unbelievable. Yeah, look, he had a big game. But, look, there's a lot of crazy things that happened in that game. For example, the way the Angels scored in the first inning is really bizarre. First of all, they had a rare catcher interference on Chris Herman when his glove hit the bat of Shohei Otani. So he's on first. Then, up to the plate is Valbuena, Luis Valbuena. He's got two strikes, two outs. And there's nobody on the left side of the infield. They're shifting over for him. He's a left-handed hitter. There's nobody on the left side? Well, Seager was like okay. playing a very center field towards shortstop, second uh, base towards shortstop, yeah. okay, way back there. So what does he do? He says, okay, guys, there's two strikes and two outs. I'm going to take what you give me. He hits the ball not so hard right through the left side of the infield, and it rolls uh. all the way down to the corner. Otani scores from first. And that was their first run. And I'm thinking, here we go, the shift. I mean, to me, that's just a no-brainer thing to do. What was a little surprising about it is normally when you shift that far over, the outfield tends to shift in the other direction. But Ben Gamble, in that case, was kind of playing in left center field. So when the ball was hit, and the ball wasn't hit that hard, but the ball's nobody hit. nobody there. There's nobody there. He's got to yeah. go run it down. And Otani, by the way, for a big, tall guy, he can run. He can definitely run. <laughs> he scores easily from first. So that was kind of a weird start to the day on the whole thing. Then, of course, everyone, they got the bases loaded. They're down 6-3 to three in the seventh. They load the bases. Uh, Zanino comes in to pinch hit to load the bases. He walks. And then they have uh, two strikeouts. D. Gordon strikes out. Denard Span strikes out. But uh, then there's 
a ball hit by Segura that's a broken bat flare, one of those right over second base that you just think for sure, absolutely for sure, is going to drop. And David Fletcher, the second baseman for the Angels, makes a phenomenal catch on the ball. Absolutely phenomenal catch. Two runs would have scored there. It would have been a 6-5 to five game. So that didn't work out for him. Just kind of one of those fluky days, you know. And then in the ninth inning, they get runners at second and third with nobody out. Uh, D. Gordon flies out to, to center field. Then, this is so bizarre. Okay, so <laughs> the next guy up is uh, Segura. Right. Segura hits a ground ball to deep first base to Pujols. Pujols, normally in that situation, just to get the out, would have thrown the ball to first, where uh, Blake Parker, the, the relief pitcher, should have been covering first. Parker forgets to cover first. So Pujols decides, okay, well then I'm just going to throw home, because Zanino's coming home thinking he's got a freebie here. They're just going to try to get the second out. He throws home, and he gets Zanino at the plate. They tag out Zanino at the plate, where it would have been 7-5 to five at that point with two outs. But because because of an actual mental mistake by the Angels, they got Zanino at the plate. Ah, oh, jeez. So uh, and unlucky, then, unlucky, unlucky. Yeah, like and then Hanniger uh, made the last out. But but still, it was just one of those days that you know. Look, yeah. there's 162 games. Things aren't going to go your way. Things didn't go their way yesterday. We'll talk more about that later. So uh, let's go to the next one. And their division rivals now, the Astros win. So here's an update on the division and the wild card update. One ball, two strikes, one out. Gaddis to center field. Altuve tags, and the Astros take a 5-4 lead in the 10th. So a big comeback win for the Astros. Down by four runs, come back and win at 5-4. No help from the Rangers whatsoever there. Not a giant shock or anything. But, uh, yeah, the Astros come back and get it done. But the Astros have some issues. Now, first of all, Brian McCann, their starting catcher, is on the disabled list now with a knee injury that sounds like, they won't say this, but it sounds like it could be season-ending. So he may have to have surgery. It's been bothering him all year. And uh, basically they're saying, we don't know how long he's going to be out now. And then their their backup catcher, Max Stassi, who's played really well this year, in the first game after they put McCann on the DL, his first at bat after that happened, he gets hit in the forearm by a pitch on uh, Saturday. And I'm not, not Saturday, I'm sorry, on Tuesday. And it he had to leave the game at the end of the first inning. So now they're down to their third string catcher, who they just called up, Fedorovich. And that Stassi didn't play again yesterday. So they have some issues there. Uh, Carlos Correa is on the DL right now. Gonzalez is playing shortstop. And their bullpen did get it done yesterday. I have to admit they, they did a good job, but their bullpen has been shaky at times. So I'm not 100% convinced that the Astros are uncatchable. I just really believe that the Mariners have a chance to go get them because the things aren't falling their way and every, like the, everything did for the Astros last season. So it's, we'll see what happens. It's just unfortunate because now they play the White Sox who are 30 and 56. Oh my so gosh, this, yeah. It's this run for the Astros right now before the All-Star break where they're just playing bad competition after bad competition after bad competition. And yeah, it's nice if, if the Mariners can hang close, but it, it's hard to see them moving past the Astros if they keep playing these terrible I don't see teams. them doing that before the break, but if they could get to the break, three down or less, I'm, I'm good with that. Well, it starts with Marco Gonzalez tonight on the mound for the Mariners. And let's and see he, if, he had a complete game, right? He had the first complete game of his career in the last outing. Mm-hmm. Didn't even have a three-ball count in that game. What? That's how well he pitched. Did not have one oh, three-ball count. That's ridiculous. So, that'll be cool. All right, we've already talked about nine or an eight. 
in his amazing 10 hot dogs in three hours. But here is Joy Chestnut winning the hot dog contest. The countdown has begun once again. It's become old hand. It's become commonplace here in Coney Island. Joey Chestnut owns America. A legend already. The legend continues. Number 11 for Joey Chestnut. Wow. Just wow. What does that guy's intestines look like? Oh, my God. I love the line. I think I hope this is it. Joey Chestnut owns America. Joey Chestnut owns, owns America. America. <laughs> On America's Day, he owns America. So the, i got to make sure I understand the rules here. Now, you also have to eat the bun. Yes. You have to eat the bun, and it's just the hot dog in the bun. I don't think there's any condiments on it or anything. No, and which means you can dip it in but water. But you dip it in water, right, yeah. to help it go. So they dip it in water and then shove it in their mouth. But, I mean... 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes, that's seven and a half hot dogs a minute. That's amazing. Which breaks down to more, more than, than one every 10 seconds. Yeah. How? Wow. <laughs> that, and, and I just can't imagine your, your stomach can even hold that. And Chestnut's not a giant guy or anything. No. You know, it's, it's, it's just crazy. It's not like flukers out there eating 74 hot dogs. I mean, <laughs> my gosh, you know, it really is a, an, an incredible thing to even think about. But and how, how much do you feel after that? Oh, God, he probably feels terrible. I mean, it's his, it's his 11th title, so he's done this 11 times and set the new record yesterday, right? Yeah. So the, the question I have is, hey, Joey, did you aspire to this when you were a ten year old kid, you know, at a at a family, you know, picnic or whatever, eating hot dogs and realizing that that's what you wanted to do with oh, your no, life? What, you wanted what? to be a competitive <laughs> hot, dog hot dog eater. eater. And what happens when that guy goes for his phys- his annual physical? I mean, what's his blood pressure? Oh, what's geez. his cholesterol count? I mean, my gosh. He probably just waves a check for from the Nathans <laughs> in the doctor's face and says, I, I don't care what you say, I just won this much dollars. Can making, you imagine you go eating hot dogs? You go to get a get a life insurance policy. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> a quarter of a million dollar life insurance policy. What do you do for a living? Sure, I'm a competitive hot dog eater. Uh, yeah, never mind. Yes, yeah, later. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Not so, you. Just to imagine how hard that is. I mean, Nate was basically sick after eating ten hot dogs in three hours, and then he like well two hours, and then he just couldn't eat. He another couldn't do one it in the third hour. He just couldn't do it. He was just he was just done. So that showed. And, and Nate's a Nate's a big guy. Yeah, right? he's Nate's a, a big yeah. guy, but not not a not a giant fat guy. But I mean, he's a big man. So to eat ten and then feel eat six and then start feeling sick and basically have to force down the last four over more over more than two hours. Wow. I mean, so he and his wife and, and me and my wife, we've gone out and we, we've done a couple of days. We're friends now, and we went to Buffalo Wild Wings about two months ago. And yeah. the time it took him to scarf down like the appetizer platter <laughs> that has about five different appetizers on it, yeah, it was it was instantaneous. I mean, <laughs> So we sat down. We we got the appetizer, and I started. I just took a sip of my beer, and I said, uh, "I'll I'll get. To, I'll let you guys take the first round of the appetizers, and I'll 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 then you know pick up the pieces of of what's left." And it was like gone. Wow! And I looked at the, the girls, and we all looked at Nate, and it was just like there was you. <laughs> Niner Nate. He eats fast. The greatest chicken wing eater of all time. I mean, maybe if we just had a chicken wing contest for we, Nate, he could win that. I think we talked about that when DJ Fluker was signed because he was in some sort of competitive <laughs> eating contest. He talked, yeah. I had the audio somewhere and I'll try to find it. That Fluker, when he was signed, uh, talked or he talked earlier on about some competitive eating challenge he was in. So we, we actually, I think, did like a draft or did <laughs> a, a discussion during one show about, okay, if we were to take all the KJR personalities and producers and whatnot, and put them all together for for a hot dog eating contest. Right. Who would win? 
and it, Nate didn't even come up, I don't think, in terms of like the actual like big contenders. Wow. I think it was Slickhawk would be a fantastic, you know, <laughs> bet to win on it. But Niner Nate is probably now after witnessing that and witnessing what I did at Buffalo Wild Wings, the best bet to win that thing of all of us. And, and poor Nate, now whenever we do anything to go eat somewhere, he's always going to be the guy. Oh, Nate, we got a challenge. Can you? Yeah, eat of course. Here? Yeah, naturally. Need to, he needs to go to the uh, the restaurant in Amarillo where if you eat an entire 72 ounce <laughs> steak. And the baked oh, potato and the salad. Oh. Within forty-five minutes, you get your you get a plaque on the wall. I, yeah, I actually you know get a guy free though. It. Is that the question? You get a free. If you, uh, and you get off. a free, and you get a okay. and you get your and you get a plaque on the wall too that says you did it. I actually know a guy who did it. My former uh, editor at ESPN actually did seventy-two ounce steak. Yeah, oh, yeah, and that's just part God. of it. And you, if you have, there's a time limit. You can't just do it like Nate did ten hot dogs. You got to do it all in like forty-five <laughs> minutes or something like that. So that's crazy. All right, so uh, this is my favorite one coming up because <laughs> this man will make my sports walk of shame for the week. Here's LeVar Ball speaking on LeBron going to L.A. Lines on him going to fit together like a glove. How you going to get my son the best player of the game? Well, I got a huge decision to make this summer, man. I already told you to call him L.A. Braun. Act like he ain't coming to L.A. I'll see him in a minute. You talk to him? I ain't got to talk to him. I know he coming to L.A. Lonzo makes everybody better, including him. LeVar. Just shut up. Oh, my God. I knew it was happening. We talked about it the other day. It was only a matter of days till LeVar came out and made his statement. Uh, here he is. You know, that basically he's saying, he also said that uh, LeBron can't play point guard. Can't play point guard as he watched him the last couple of years at all. That's practically the only thing he does. I mean, it's just insane. And then he went on to say, he talked about the Warriors, too, and said, uh, the Warriors, that anybody who thinks that they can still win, they ain't going to win. Not now. Not with my boy having the best player in the world. So, oh, okay. man. LeVar, just give it a rest. Does LeVar know the names of other players on the Lakers, or do you think he only knows that the Lakers are made up of well, two players? Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. Has, 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 <laughs> hey, LeVar, has who's no Kyle idea. Kuzma? He says, he said, he said, yeah, he says, LeBron only has to run the lane and my boy will pass it to him. It'll be money. He'll just throw the James touchdown passes all day. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's just, uh, Except okay. when DeMarcus Cousins and, and, and Kevin Durant intercepts that. Anyone thinks you give my son the best player in the game and they're not going to win any championships? You know, question mark. Well, okay. Look, it just, you know, it, there's only, it's only a matter of time till he says something that ticks off LeBron. I guarantee you it's going to happen. The first time that LeBron misses a shot that was a was a pass from his from Lonzo, oh here comes LeVar. It, it's going to happen, I guarantee it, unless there's a deal coming in here somewhere for them to get Kawhi Leonard and send ball packing. But you know, we'll see how that goes down there. By the way, that is only one of two people that I have in the sports walk of shame oh. for this week. The other one, of course, is the great T.O. himself, Terrell Owens, who announced, you know, earlier he announced that he would not attend his in induction enshrinement ceremony at Canton, Ohio. Right. Now he says that he's going to do it on August 4th at his alma mater, UT Chattanooga, and uh, their McKenzie Arena. That's where he's going to give his Hall of Fame speech. It's going to be open to the public. I so wish, so wish no one would be there. <laughs> I know they will be. I know there will be media there. But how great would it be if he showed up to give that speech? There's no media there. There's five people sitting in the arena. I mean, come on, dude. It's it's crazy. There, people have been asked, by the way, some of the Hall of Fame voters have been asked, if you knew going in 
that he would not show up for the ceremony, would you have voted him in? And a couple of guys have already said they would not have. I would not have. I, I don't care how good a player is. You know, have some respect. Have some respect for what these people have just done for you. How how tough is it to go there and be there for a day with all the greats in the game, with the greats that you're going in with, to wear your gold jacket? I, I just It's just unbelievable. Here's the part. You just said the greats that you are going in with. And the key word there is with. Yeah. Harold Owens doesn't want to be with anybody. He wants to be That's the it. center of attention alone by himself, getting all of the praise and all of the attention from everybody. He he wants a building where nobody is paying attention to anybody else, which is where the day, remember with the day when he said that he was going to not go to Canton and not give the speech in Canton? Right. And about an hour after he makes that news, Julian Edelman is then popped for the suspension for four games. You know how much Terrell Owens hated that? Just because oh, yeah. he didn't get to be the center, of attention, the center of attention in the NFL. That That's all Terrell Owens wants. He doesn't want anybody else to care about him, or anybody, anybody but him, I should say. I just don't like it. I know. I, look, he was a great player, I know that, and he's always been like this, I get it, but this is different. Yeah. Show, and if nothing else, show respect to the other guys that are going in with you. But yeah. it's just like you said, he doesn't care about that. And... Are we sure, by the way, are we absolutely sure that LeVar Ball isn't Terrell Owens' dad? <laughs> but think about that for a while. Let's do the All numbers. Right. We got one more cool one here, and that is the Sounders win last night. The Sounders Dawn, beat Colorado. Presence. Will Bruin all alone. Will Bruin takes advantage and gets his second goal of the evening. Will Bruin beats Tim Howard here in the 59th minute, and before he goes out as a sub, he gathers another goal. 2-1 Seattle. Stretch is going to have to he have to mellow out just a tad there. Stretch is going to have a have a stroke on us. Oh no, I think that was that was the proper <laughs> level of excitement for for a he team that needed up. a win so desperately. Well, and the but the that and and Bruin had a great game, no doubt about it, but the big play of that game was one of the and I've seen a lot of great saves over the years in soccer, but Stefan Fry un, one of the best saves I have ever seen yesterday in the 82nd minute. Down goes Kim with some contact from Baji. Baji takes off. Down the left-hand side is McBean. He's got two players in the middle. Here's Mason. Can't find Mason. Oh, Stephen Fry with the save. That was unbelievable. I mean, it took – it was just – he just got it. You know, the guy had the entire right side of the net there to put it in. And Fry just makes this dive, this dive to the left and just gets his fingertips on the ball just enough to push it wide. Just one of the most amazing saves I've ever seen. And his, you know, it's like you said, have we gotten to the point with him, talking about expectations, we're talking mm -hmm. about expectation with the Mariners, where you're surprised when he doesn't do it now? The short answer is yes, is that Stefan Fry from two MLS Cups and from everything else he's done here has just, he, he's now expected to make those sort of plays. I mean, that play yesterday, that may become a defining moment here, Terry, because last year they won on July 4th in Colorado, and it started a streak of six wins in seven games, and it was in a 13-match unbeaten streak. It was huge for the team to win on July 4th there, and it would be really nice if they could kind of get on some sort of a streak. You can't expect it to be six and seven games, but it's some sort of a streak where they can get going once Raul Ruiz Diaz comes in, and if you can get on one of those streaks where you have some good performances and get closer to the red line and get yeah. some more points, we may look back to that one play by Stephen Fry as 
a play that basically takes or gives you two extra points. Because if you don't get that, it's, yeah. it's one point, it's a draw, and a story. So that's a two-point play right there. We may look back to that as the key defining moment if they go on a run. I hope we do. They play at New England on Saturday night. Hopefully they can get on a roll. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about what else Irrational Mariners fans tweet that the classic Mariners do that they no longer do. And we're going to have Cliff Averill with us from 11 to 12. Stick with us on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live on Seattle's original diehard sports station, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to the Carter Volkswagen Studios. Hey everybody, Terry Blunt back with you for Jason Puckett. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to have Cliff Averill with us for a whole hour. That's really going to be fun. A lot of cool stuff to talk to him about. But first, we want to get some more text from you guys on the Harris Distilling text line at 49451. We have some good ones here, by the way, defending Terrell Owens. Yes, uh, one from the 253. I'll agree Terrell Owens is being a little quote-unquote female dog. (laughs) <laughs> but they showed him zero respect by not making him a first ballot selection, so respect goes both ways. Okay, okay. look, some of the best players in NFL history were not first ballot Hall of Famers, and that's true of any Hall of Fame. Major League Baseball, same kind of thing. That is no reason for you not to show up for the event. Come on. But he was the second best receiver statistically ever, yeah, right? Well, yeah, but you and know. That's first look. ballot. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, really, does it? He knows he's going to get in. Does it really? Does it really matter? Of course, it does. To those guys who have the egos the size of Mars, it matters. <laughs> it matters a lot. He's from Mars. He doesn't have an ego the size of Mars. He's from Mars. Here's another one from the two hundred six. Oh, this well, this isn't defending him. Here's another one from two hundred six. They should just put his bust in the hall quietly and not say anything about the guy. Actually, it'd be interesting to see how they handle that. I don't know how they're going to handle the ceremony without him Ooh. there. Well, I, would, not, would they just simply not have a ceremony at all because he's having his I hope own so. thing? I hope so. I mean, uh, I don't know if they'll have a, have somebody come up. You know, typically you have somebody induct you that's you're very uh, that you're very close to and you respect. Uh, I don't think they'll do that. Of course not. If he's having his own thing, then they yeah. would probably just do it that quietly. Well, here's another one from the four two five. Should have been first ballot. Have the respect. Okay, I you know I I get all that. Yes, he probably should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, but. You know, let it go. Let it go. So, And then we're getting some also on our, our Mariners question. I'm going to throw one more out there for you since we talked about LeVar Ball and the bizarro world of LeVar Ball and Terrell Owens, and that is what will be the next crazy thing that LeVar Ball says? <laughs> the next crazy thing he says. He's already said some crazy things yesterday about his boys. All he needed was LeBron James, and now they're just going to win all championships, and all he has to do is run down the lane, and he's going to throw, and Alonzo's going to throw him touchdown passes. Okay, what's the next crazy thing LeVar Ball says? Come on, show us your creativity. You guys were really good the other day showing us some creativity on the tweets we had to get your uh, get your free uh, thing from Georgetown Brewery. Show us today what how creative you can be about what's the next crazy thing LeVar Ball says. You know what? Why not? We'll throw it. We'll do another one here. Craziest thing LeVar Ball says to 49451. We'll give you 20 bucks to the Air Coast Cafe. All right. That's very cool. How about that? Uh, Jackson being in a, in a holiday I, mood. I am a, I'm in a giving mood. So craziest thing LeVar Ball will say next, and, and we'll give that I away later this. in the show. So speaking of crazy things, uh, this has nothing to do with anything. I just thought it was funny, so yeah. I wanted to bring it up. So yesterday at Wimbledon, number two seed Caroline Wozniacki 
was upset by the number 35 player in the war in the world a russian name and i'll try to pronounce her name Eta Karina Marakova of Russia. Rigged. Uh, okay. Uh, in three <laughs> sets. But Wozniaki was very upset about it because during the match, she was attacked by flying insects. Wait, what? I'm not making this up. You can go watch the video. There were several times when she was literally swatting away flies. They weren't flies. I don't know exactly what kind of insects they were, but they were all over her during the match, and it, it bothered her. So after the match... She kind of had a bad attitude and insinuated that she shouldn't have lost, and she said about the Russian girl who beat her, the Russian woman who beat her, she got a little lucky. I'd be very <laughs> surprised if she goes very far. She was not happy. So uh, apparently the insects only liked Wozniacki, though. So Maybe she was wearing some sort of perfume, perfume that they liked or whatever. Smell. Yeah, this yeah, is, well, by the way, uh, Rory McIlroy's former fiancé. They have both moved on since. Rory McIlroy is married now. But, uh, yeah, so she was not happy about that at all. But if you watch the video, it's pretty funny. She literally has these flying insects all around her <laughs> like a swarm of locusts or whatever and she said that something needs to be done about it. apparently this has happened before at wimbledon and she says something needs to be done about it well something needs to be done about it maybe it depends on what perfume you're wearing or something like that to try and keep that from happening but it was really funny so i'll try to get that video up uh, on sportsreader.com's uh puck show page here later today that's very like, cool that so funny. we also have our poll question which is very cool and that is the fact that uh, college football could be going to an nfl-like system of standardized injury reports where everyone has to do the same thing or is supposed to do the same thing so what is the likelihood of a coach your coach that you think is probably going to try and skirt the rules a little bit on that either live fudge the report whatever you think uh we have four choices Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban, Mike Leach, or Chris Peterson. Keep your votes coming in on that one. It's a really cool poll. Uh, it's very close so far. Right now, Nick Saban at 36%, Harbaugh at 33%, Mike Leach at 27%, and, of course, Chris Peterson, who everyone knows is the straightest arrow around. Yeah. Only four percent. So uh, hey, you you Washington State voters, come on, you can do better than that. Well, that's and that's why we included Chris Peterson in there is just to see the low percentage, just to highlight that <laughs> how he low is. it would actually be. Yeah, how, exactly, how unlikely it is for him <laughs> to do that. And also tell us your crazy thing that Lavar Ball is going to say next. We want to we want you know on that. By the way, on that old poll thing. So Leach said in a USA story a while back that he was totally against it, as you might expect. And his quote was, whatever weaknesses or vulnerabilities that my team has, I can't fathom why I would have any interest in revealing that to my opponent. Well, yeah, but if it's the same for everybody, then it's the same. Then, you know, you haven't lost anything. Everyone's doing the same thing. But he's notorious for not wanting to do that. Right. One of the guys who doesn't want to say what's going on. By the way, the NFL system doesn't preclude, preclude you from hedging your bets a little bit. I mean, there's many times at Seahawks games where they'd say someone was questionable uh, going into Sunday's game and you thought for sure he wasn't going to play and he definitely played, or vice versa, a guy who practiced a little during the week, then all of a sudden he shows up on the injury report Friday 
and they list him as questionable, and he doesn't play. Well, that's what the annoying part of taking away the probable term is for our fantasy football players like me, is we don't have the probable term anymore that tells us, oh yeah, for sure he's going to be in there. It's annoying the way they've now switched it to. Uh, Of course. And the whole reason this will probably happen is gambling. You know, with the new law uh, that all states are going to be allowed to start gambling if they so choose, and many are going to do so. Of course, some already have. There's going to be so many more college football fans who are going to want to know what quarterback is playing that week, what isn't, what running back, what cornerback, all that kind of stuff, which is why everyone follows the NFL injury report. When I was at ESPN, that was like the most important thing we did every week is do the injury report. They couldn't care less if I wrote the most glowing feature of all time. They just want to know who's on the injury report. That's all that matters. Isn't that so, modern news? Is that's, just that's it. That's the way it is. Demand. Hey, it's all about It's all about fantasy leagues and games. Yes, it is. That's the way it is. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be back at 11. When we come back, we're going to have Cliff Averill for the entire hour. Going to preview his new show, Cliff and Puck, that starts on Monday. We'll talk to him about the Seahawks and a lot of other things. Stick with us on Sports Radio 950 KJR.